0: Ruffles, we coming for you, (laughs) sucker. We coming for you, Ruffles. (laughs) We coming for you, Ruffles.
1: Welcome back to the Other Shit Podcast. Thank you wherever, whenever you're listening to us. We're glad you're here and not somewhere else. I do want to point out as quick disclaimer here that if we don't sound our usual awesome selves it's through no fault of our own, but Skype is giving us more problems than a jizz mopper in Virginia. Gentlemen, we have a lot to discuss regarding a certain event that took place this past week, and I'm not talking about no holiday, nor am I talking about Michigan beating Ohio State. Anyways. On our esteemed Survivor Series review
0: panel this evening, we have Mr. Drew Fez. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man in the history of podcasting.
1: All right. And a guy who traveled up for the Thanksgiving weekend to hang out with everybody and a friend of his might have scarred my one year old for a little while. That's okay. You may know him as mac but i call him dad how you doing sir
2: i am doing wonderful sir how are you
1: oh we're doing great happy to have you back after it's been a little while happy to have you thanks for making the journey again to hang out this weekend we all appreciated it
2: my pleasure
1: and we also have a man who will keep his word and eat chips on camera all at the same time big bill merriweather
3: i've earned my stretch marks they're my stripes i'm a tiger
1: Last but certainly not least, your friend, my friend, if he's not your friend, there's probably a very good reason why, producer extraordinaire, eater of delicious-looking pie that his daughter baked this weekend, and I'm still extremely jealous, Michael Herrick. It's a Festivus miracle. Yes, and hopefully it's a Festivus miracle that we sound almost as good as we normally do. Survivor Series was this weekend, and there was a lot to talk about. Overall, I thought the show was fantastic. I just finished a rewatch and I absolutely loved it. You know, when your worst complaint is that a match didn't go long enough, that's a damn good show right there. From top to bottom, we had a couple of big returns, including one of a former TNA heavyweight champion that I can't wait to talk about. And probably some other guy too, but we'll get there. What did you guys think of the show overall, Drew? We'll start
0: going around general reaction here. It got a rave review over at Samuel's house. Kids loved it. I loved it. It was action-packed, top to bottom. And yeah, we loved it, man some of my surprises came true a little bit so that was cool
1: <laughs> special shout out to mike who as you said
0: bill and jamie got all their picks right right
1: that is correct
0: and you and i were only one off each so
4: yeah and drew who finished last in the pick still got three out of five so that's <laughs> yeah, way
0: i knew hard. i wasn't gonna do well my stuff was too far-fetched <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun yeah overall i thought the show was fun Establish yes. fear, bring them in
1: with warmth, and then get a discount. So that's how Aaron Grafton did it. So, Mike, how did you feel about the
4: show? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. It was a grade A performance overall. I mean, the only thing really that was missing for me was what Drew and I had both figured or hoped would happen. That was the return of Sasha Banks. So, other than that, I mean, I would have preferred to see a Randy Orton turn. I would have preferred to see Damage Control win, even though I picked them to lose. But those are minor quibbles. It was a great show. The worst match on the card was still a damn good match because there was nothing close to a worst match. It's just it wasn't as good as some of the others. You can't complain about that.
1: You know, although Michael Cole did talk about the four horsewomen quite a bit during the course of that match. And it kind of made me wonder if they might be setting something up for that down the line. I'm wondering, but we'll get to that. Dad, how did you feel about the show when you finally got to watch the whole thing?
2: I will not give it as high a mark as everybody else is giving you because of what it didn't have. I really think they could have done it. They got lazy, and I think they could have done a better job of building. They didn't do a good job at all. They didn't do a job at all of building a Survivor Series elimination match. They should have an elimination match in every Survivor Series show period it's what made Survivor Series what it is as far as the actual show the War Games matches were absolutely fantastic I'll never look at a garbage can the same way again the other three matches you knew who was going to win so but they were still damn good even though you knew who was going to win the wrestling was wonderful it was really good to see Orton back you know especially when there was a time when people think didn't think he was going to be back it was also wonderful to see Mr. R-Truth back as well and for the other clown I'll let you guys talk About that later on. (laughs) I'm just
3: glad Michael Clare to hold um, Seth Rollins back because I was worried about (laughs)
2: Michael Cole.
3: (laughs) it's <laughs> undefeated it joke. michael Cole. to you pal <laughs> it's true i mean i cute that but i won't dispute it was a good show i, I can't segue i guess but i gotta you know break the, all the kayfabe and the fact that i did fall asleep during the middle of it unfortunately i had to go back and rewatch rhea ripley you know whatever i'm getting old so i fall asleep all the time but i liked it a lot it was fun but again i'm not surprised i got everything right not being distracted it's just the booking gets predictable, but I even kind of was pretty certain the ending was going to be the ending, but and I'm not trying to be, again, a douchebag. I knew it. I knew it. Like on the internet just, it kind of telegraphed itself to me, but I don't know, but I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. I definitely do not regret watching it.
1: I mean, it was, I think it's the best Survivor Series offering they've had in quite a few years. Honestly, I think it was like 2016 one was the last one I really enjoyed from beginning to end like this. So let's get started with the match reviews. We're going to start off with the women's war game match between Damage Control and Becky, Charlotte, Shotzi, and Bianca. First off, I love Damage Control's entrance. I thought that was really cool. Incredibly well done. We're in the middle of a hot Chicago crowd made the atmosphere that much better cause you know, start off hot and this was great. This was a hell of a lot of fun. We had spots of plenty. To me it was just fun to watch because everybody in that match, only women can go. And it showed in the variety of styles. Of course, we're going to have to talk about EO doing her little garbage can't spot off top of the cage. That was pretty friggin' amazing. Just the whole thing I felt was enjoyable and the will-they-won't-they they get along of Becky and Charlotte I thought was very well done. Half expected when Charlotte, the last one in, for her to just turn around and be like, ah, so long suckers and leave. But then somehow the faces still might have won. And Bailey taking the fall. If anybody on damage control was going to take it, I think we all knew that Bailey was going to be the one to do it. Which stinks is what it is. Just a great Start, hot start. Nice to see the faces get a win. I think they missed the opportunity for Shotzi and crew to ride out on the tank for war games, but that's just me. Drew, what'd you think?
0: Thought it was a nice Charlie Murphy match. Set the tone. I thought it started out a little slow, but it should. It adds a little bit of a realistic flavor to the match. But I thought at the beginning Shotzi was playing a little bit over her head. She had a, a few things where she kind of flubbed on it a little bit with the Smith steps. And just, I chalked it up to her just probably being like nervous. She doesn't get spots like this on these big shows too often. So it's nice to see her get a break in that regard and working with all the top women. As the match progressed, I thought she really warmed up to it and definitely found her groove, and she played out well. For the whole match, I'm trying to think of the stuff that I really enjoyed about the match. Um, The chain, bringing in the chain. I thought that was a nice, unique change for a weapon. You know, you see the kendo sticks, the chairs, the garbage cans. That's all typical stuff but you don't see chains come into play especially that huge thing I was like man that's a lot of chain but then of course we saw it play out and it was a brilliant idea but at first I was like there's no way that she's going to start like pulling stuff out of the ring and hooking it to that chain like a dumb waiter pulling it up there I'm yeah. like pull a table up there <laughs> but it was good. once I saw what the can was for pretty cool spot Yeah, and the kids loved it we all popped for it Huge. Yeah, Kari Sane, Gemma had to call her out on missing a couple of kicks by a mile. She's like, she didn't even come close. I was like, well, it's wrestling, kiddo. We try not to take it too serious. The finish, I thought it would go the way it went, but I really thought after Bailey got stuck, she was going to get jumped. But the way that they sold it with the rest of the team just laid out, I mean, it's hard for them to all come to and then just beat somebody up and leave them laying when they're already all laying. Didn't make much sense to do it there, but. I think there's uh, something's imminent there with that. So we'll see how it goes. And I was kind of bummed out to here hear Sasha's music hit at the end, too. So would you rather have Sasha return over the guy who returned at the very end? No, because Sasha won't make that kind of money for the company. I know for a fact that R-Truth return will do so. I love R-Truth. I'm glad I does.
1: I actually missed that because I went upstairs to go talk to Christine about something came down and Dad's sitting here in chair. He goes, hey, he goes, you just missed the most exciting return all night. I go, who's that? He goes, our I'm like, son of a
0: bitch. And he was right. They're not chips and they're not crisps. They're ruffles. Our <laughs> truth. the truth. And the R stands for ruffles. Drew, as a side note, was it you or Mike that was putting
1: over the one flavor of ruffles in the chat? There was one you guys said that was like really, really good.
3: And- Cheddar sour cream. Yeah, I was eating a bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All night I could eat those. Eating one i didn't even realize they were sponsored at the time i, was like, <laughs> I think that oh my god there's a sour cream ruffles thing whole gimmick going throughout the thing and i'm sitting there num- num- numbing away on it and i'm like i guess i'm a wwe drone
0: when i was a kid and ruffles only had one flavor and it was ruffles <laughs> my mom would get like for a treat we'd get like a handful of ruffles and a big ass scoop of cheese whiz on a paper plate Bam. and we would use cheese whiz for dip on our ruffles That sounds freaking banging, actually. Oh, it's it's tremendous. My kids eat it now, too. I still eat it. It's just one of those things from being a kid.
4: So if you guys didn't watch the pre-show, go back and get to the point where they're opening up the bags of chip and passing them around because Booker T loses his fucking mind over the cheddar and sour cream ruffles. He'd never had them before, and... Like he was speechless and just kept eating. It was fantastic. I mean, we watched pre-show, but I think I missed that part because I think we might have been doing dessert or something
1: like that. But with Go the back. Cruise- okay, I mean, they might have been his 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 new favorite Stoner munchies.
4: Who knows? I think he said we didn't get Ruffles when we were kids or something like that. It was a thing where he just kind of kept the bag. It didn't really get passed around <laughs> after that. These are mine now. Five times, five times. But the other the other thing I mentioned in the chat was the honey mustard pork rinds.
1: Thank you. That's what it was. So, Dad, how did you feel about the match? You were definitely enjoying it while you were sitting here watching it.
2: I thought it was the best match of the whole night. And it wasn't even close. I was incredibly surprised that Bailey and Becky started off. That was the first surprise. But it was just nonstop. Drew said it did get off to a kind of a slow start. But, man, after that, after it took off, it, it just kept going and going and going. And I also agree that something's definitely imminent with damage control. I think Bailey did a great job taking shots for everybody and then she also had to take the fall. I think she's getting ready for a face turn, which is long overdue in my opinion. The garbage can spot was priceless. I also think more than even her title run, this match might have made EO Sky elevated her even more than her title run has. I think she's a, just a great talent, maybe a little small compared to some of the other ones, other females out there. You talked about Shotzi. She kind of grew into the spot like you said, Drew, but the one I just can't get over that i still can't accept the fact that she's even out there doing that is Kyrie. to me she looks like a girl <laughs> i don't mean that to sound wrong but she just looks like she's in there with women and she doesn't look like she belongs there but she's talented and she held her own by far the best match of the night best match of the night they all showed what they could do and i think it ended the way it probably should have ended with bailey taking the fall if I would have had to make a prediction, that's what I would have predicted, that Belly would be the one taking the fall.
0: I wanted to point out that, like, the match itself, it never peaked until the finish. It didn't have, like, dips and valleys and dips and valleys. It just kept, it was the proverbial roller coaster climb the whole way. Bum, 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 it just kept building and building and building, and it didn't drop until it got to the finish. So I thought that was, like, a perfect execution of a finish and a match.
1: And this is where, because I know Mike enjoys that, I have to give Charlotte Flair some credit. That moonsault off the top
0: of Cage was pretty damn sweet, too. So I have to put that spot over because that looked. -hmm. I thought she cracked a girl's head wide open with yeah. her knee at first. I was like, oh, no. Well,
1: that's exactly what I said. Even on the replay, I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, I think she would have legitimately knocked her out. <laughs> or knocked her, like, open or something like that. And come up like, a face full of blood or something like that. I'm like,
0: oh, shit. It's like, who, who
1: was Kyrie? I think that took the knee to the head, actually, on the way
0: down. I it was EO. It was EO? Okay. It was EO. Okay, yeah, because she was wearing, like, the yellow-colored stuff. Yeah.
1: You know, the way that leg hit her, I'm
0: like, holy shit, she knocked her loopy.
1: This is me giving Charlotte praise, and it doesn't happen often on the show. Bill, Mr. 5-0 on the evening.
3: This match started out slow. Abby tapped out, and I had to call her back in when it got a little more exciting. Because that's my thing with the board games sometimes, is it takes a minute to get warmed up. But when it's fun, it's fun. And it started, like Drew said, it was a roller coaster. And kept going and going. And I got to give Chris, I got to say, man, I got to give Charlotte a little love. I'm not the biggest fan of her, as you know, either. She's a pain in the ass, but she really had some good, subtle stuff. Like, I think you mentioned about the stuff with Becky. Really good, subtle sort of stuff that, like, you know, kind of predict the tension. Obviously, there's going to be more, but I mean, it's more like it just conveyed, like, a little side-eye. It wasn't outright, like, you know, pushing, beating each other up. It was side-eye and a little this and that, and that was kind of neat. But my real MVP of this match... Bailey. Holy smokes. I know. I mean, it's not fair to bring the whole garbage spot and stuff, but Bailey was just, she's just a treasure. I mean, I don't really know if I appreciate her as much before, but this match made me a fan. I mean, I never disliked her or anything. She's fantastic, and boy, her expressions and everything, and she took so many bumps, so many cool ones, and they just beat ever and kind of, you know, she was like that, that person has to take all the bumps and the finishers and all that stuff, and just the way she sells it and stuff. I'm a huge fan now, I got to say. I really, I think she made the match. It was at parts goofy and at some parts really badass, but Bailey was all of that and the above, so it was a fun match.
4: Mike, your thoughts? Oh, I love that Becky and Bailey started out. I feel like they were the perfect two to kind of build things like drew said it started and just kept building all match and they were a great first two to get that going i loved the little sequence where becky had thrown bailey between the ropes and the cage and had the two baseball slide drop kicks and then went into the disarmor, and that's when dakota came in and jabbed her with a kendo stick and kind of changed the momentum there Bailey stooged and bumped around the ring all night long like a goddamn champ. Yep. Every little thing she did, the way she was bumping and feeding, and like when Shotzi came down and she took the door to the head. You know, just every little thing she did added so much to the match. She was my MVP by far. I thought she was just the star of the night. And I know it's leading to a face turn for her, and I hate that because I love Heel Bailey so much. Her constantly shit-talking Michael Cole. Ding-dong, hello. Yes, I mean, everything. (laughs) She's been such an amazing heel for, what, like three years now? And I would have imagined like I thought she was the female Ricky Steamboat when she was in NXT when I first saw her and watched her progress along through her career I'm like she's never going to be a heel she's going to be a face forever there's no way yeah. that this happy bubbly smiley person is going to be able to pull off being a heel and she has killed it and I hate to see that go away but Damn. she'll be great again and I do think eventually I don't know when it's going to play out at this point I hope we stretch it out until the rumble and maybe she accidentally or on purpose eliminates another member of damage control in the rumble like maybe it comes down to the four of them in the match and maybe something happens and EO gets tossed out or Kyrie, or oscar gets tossed out or even dakota if she's back by then And then you see the others turn and get ready to go after Bailey. And that's when the timer goes off. Countdown goes to 10. Buzzer goes off and you hear Sasha's music and she hits the ring and they clean house and everybody's happy. And then we get four horsewomen versus damage control, elimination chamber or something. I don't know. It's very possible that she gets kicked out Friday on SmackDown. So we'll have to see how they play that. Dio bringing in the chain to start, like Drew said, it was kind of cool because that's not a weapon you see. It's not the kendo stick chair the table the trash can all the predictable stuff they've been using since they brought war games back to nxt so i'm like what the hell is she going to do with that chain other than you know clock a couple of people with it and then it came back into play in such a major way in probably the most visually cool spot of the night with the dive off the top with the trash can (laughs) i'm going to say the same thing i keep saying about charlotte's moonsault she needs to stop because she landed on her feet even after she cracked eo in the head with her knee and it's not a moonsault at that point. It's just a fucking backflip because you're landing on your feet. You're not landing on the people and playing out. It's an impressive athletic beat, I guess, because she can hit it and stick the landing every single time. But in the context of wrestling, it doesn't look good to do that. And I so, think they need to do something about that. So what you're
1: saying is Charlotte going up to the top to hit the moonsault. It's like Rick going up and getting press slammed off all the time. You know exactly what's about to happen.
4: Yeah, but that was at least endearing because... He was taking a bump. She's just landing on her feet. While well, I picked the faces to win, they had damage control in a position to do like the NWO, beat them down and I don't want to say make them their bitches. That doesn't sound great. But you know what I mean? When Asuka came in and they were beating everybody down, had the faces all down. Perfect opportunity for them to just take the win and come out looking like the big badass faction that all of the women on the roster have to deal with because Asuka gave them that edge. You know, Kyrie, like Max said, she's small. She doesn't look like she can do a lot of damage, although that elbow onto Shotzi with the chairs looked cool which was awesome but Asuka gives them that element of danger and unpredictability they didn't have and I feel like there was a chance to push them further as a heel act there but I'm okay with the way it went I just think there was an interesting way to do it that way but the finish with Bailey getting hit from all sides, basically, was perfectly done. I mean, again, Bailey, the MVP of the match, making all the faces look great, taking their moves, taking a bullet on that spear to save Kyrie. And I don't know what more you can say, but I hope she gets a rocket strapped to her once she gets the babyface turn
1: dad had a good point while we were sitting here and we were talking about bailey turning face will she go back to the inflatable two men and hugging everybody because i guarantee you if she goes back to hugging everybody you will see big bill merryweather come charging down through a group of people to get a hug from bailey you'll see him knocking people over like they're freaking bowling pins and he'll even run over jason d'agostino to get one too Gotta
0: yeah, so, be careful we don't want to be steamrolling dags
1: great way to start the show now because I missed it was the ruffle spot after the first match because Peacock does not have it on the replay was it before or after the Intercontinental title match
0: I think it was before
1: okay because as I said I completely missed it I was really mad that I missed it but I'm happy that the dude with probably some of the best comedic timing faces expressions is back and I cannot wait to see more antics from him the greatest 24-7 365 I-95 champion in WWE history what's up and you know he's good because he Makes everybody damn near break character. The time he damn near broke Brock in the middle of the ring was one of my favorite moments. He yelling at Hammond, hey, I'm going to be in the room. I'm eliminating
2: you. And
1: Hammond's like, no, I'm talking about Brock being in the rumble." Oh. I take back everything I just said.
2: My bad. He sort of did make pretty deadly break character. I mean, <laughs> they were part of that whole thing. And they were they were the only two heels. And they ended up going with it, too. So it was a fun
4: segment.
1: Shout out to Ashlyn Harris' favorite tag team. I see Mike Grinning over there. I know I'm going to hear about it later.
4: <laughs> she was not happy about having to see them.
1: <laughs> so, Archer's back. The first of many returns on this night so let's get to the intercontinental title match between gunther and the miz i know we actually had a really good conversation about this last week when we did the preview show about miz being the one to pull this off and potentially being i thought he, he had some really good hope spots christine came down during the show and then came down when I was doing the rewatch and said man miz sells really really good and this match i feel proved further how underrated he is you know, the whole gimmick going in, Gunther going, you know, you don't belong here, you know, and everything like that. And is like, well, at least the, I got the headline WrestleMania, fool. Miz put up a good fight. But let me tell you, that finish with the Boston Crab with the knee in the back, I'm like, holy crap, I'm like, that's amazing.
0: Dude, that lariat he hit him with, too. A little short clothesline lariat. Oh, he fucking leveled him, dude.
4: So left yeah. his body on that one, I think.
1: Yeah. That was like the scene in Doctor Strange where the
4: H1 levels Stephen Strange out of his body to see Mrs. Spirit being well, like, holy crap. Yeah, I, I was thinking Tom from Tom and Jerry. But yeah, same principle. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I thought I saw Boo Berry leaving the ring. <laughs> <laughs> just floating away. See you next Halloween. <laughs> Going through just dissects people.
1: And I just cannot get over how incredible he is. Time in and time out. Just like unreal. Extends the greatest Intercontinental Championship run in history. Drew, what would you think?
0: I thought Miz was going to do it, man. I thought they worked it really good to where it looked like he was going to. And they even mentioned something else that I didn't know that even would have made it more plausible, which was with that win, he would have taken the lead for most Intercontinental reigns away from an AEW guy, Chris Jericho. Yes. I was like, oh, shit, they're even like calling that, so maybe he is going over alas it was not to be but the Miz, he hung in there bud. he was in the pocket he fucking took some shots and he proved that
2: he he should be playing big league ball yes definitely dad what'd you think i'm tired of gunther what i'm tired of gunther playing around with the mid-level faces okay he should be main eventing against big time guys like cody like jay like, okay, now maybe Randy, when, if he's back, if Randy's going to be a face. You know, him taking out all these mid-level faces, I'm bored with it, okay? It was a good match. Miz took everything great and everything, but I'm just kind of tired of the, the whole, they're just playing into the fact that he's been the longest reigning champ of all time. and But he hasn't really, I don't know, like why hasn't he faced Lashley or, or somebody like that that is actually posing a, a plausible threat to taking the belt away. He hasn't done that in at least a couple months. At least a couple months. To me, that's a little boring. I'm kind of big on believability. And I never for one second even thought that Miz was going to win that match. So it was kind of a, okay, let's get this over with and get on with the card. You know, so I know it probably makes me in the minority, but I'm just kind of tired of him running all over everybody, you know, and and he hasn't really seriously been challenged by anybody, you know. I I mean, I would have rather seen Chad Gable wrestle him again because Chad did a really great job with him, but, you know, but it is what it is, and, you know, I'm sure they're building towards something really huge for him, but, you know, I'm just tired of him running all over the mid-level faces. That's a fair assessment. Bill, how do you feel about the Intercontinental title match?
3: I don't know how I feel about it because i am digging what mac is saying that makes a lot of sense gunther is destined for bigger and better things i would think because he's a believable badass you know he's like a brock lesnar that he probably could kill you i'm not as big and you know a different kind of badass but still there's a little legitimate you know he's got kind of the uh, ivan drago thing i know he's not russian but he's got the i must break you which is interesting because his like you know press conference stuff after beating him is is like it was begrudgingly respectful and stuff like that but it was interesting i I just don't like the Miz, and I he did take a lot of good stuff, but he also he looked too tough to me against, and that's just Miz bias. But he just I don't know, I didn't want him to get his ass kicked completely and look super weak. But I was kind of hoping he would be I don't know how I feel because he shouldn't be like that. I mean, the Miz should get his shit in and stuff, but part of me is like kind of made Gunther look kind of a little more weak sauce to me, but I mean. Is it Miz bias? Probably. I don't know. But I enjoyed the match
0: a lot, though. Good for the Miz. He really was... He put some work in. I thought they did his offense well. Like, the way that he had, you know, kicked him in the knee and distracted the ref, putting the turnbuckle back on, and then turned around and just booted him right in the fucking nuts. I mean... The Miz was still doing heel shit to get the advantage on the guy that was just taking him to the fucking shed. And he was doing a lot of that shit, like the cheap fucking almost like like heel shit, you know, but getting a reaction from the babyface side because people want to see Gunther get fucking some comeuppance somehow.
3: I look more like it was, I guess I would like to see more of a chicken shit option for him to do that stuff. And maybe I was reading it wrong, but didn't look as desperate so much as the Miz just trying to think of stuff to beat this guy.
0: Yeah, he definitely came out with like, I'm a badass thing, but Gunther pretty much fucking snubbed that out like a cigarette butt.
4: <laughs> I think that sequence that Drew's talking about, what they did basically was it, it plays back into, I go back to when Miz and Daniel Bryan were feuding on Talking Smack. And Miz talked about how Daniel Bryan was reckless and took too many risks. The Miz was smart and calculating and knew what he was doing and he worked safe. That was the Miz being that smart, calculating guy by pulling off the turnbuckle pad to get the referee's attention doing the rick Flair dirtiest player in the game bit to uh, do the low blows on gunther to try and get an advantage cheat to win do whatever you have to and then they almost had him do a little bit of bret hart cosplay going for like the fluke in out of the sleeper hold from mania eight but it was weird to see him kind of cosplay as both flair and bret back-to-back like that but it was a neat little sequence to show while gunther clearly had the advantage in size and strength and ability Miz was the smarter of the two and he was using the advantage he had to try and get the win and like drew said he started out trying to go toe-to-toe with gunther and that didn't get him anywhere after very long So we had to change gears and go back to what he's actually good at. And I like that they did that instead of having him just try to go toe to
0: toe with Gunther all night. I got to tip my cap to him. The little bastard had me fucking believing for a minute. (laughs) When he hit the finish on him, I'm like, oh, shit. But nope. Yep. Yeah, that was like the
1: one moment of the match. I'm like, oh, damn, they actually made me bite on that. I'm like, okay. props to both of you for that. And then, and like I said, that Boston Crab with the knee to the back, like any <laughs> variation on that.
0: Brutal looking.
1: The thing that popped me about it was, A, it looked brutal, and B, it was like, okay, I enjoy a variation on a regular Boston Crab, much like Jericho's old lion tamer used to be. We used to bend him backwards in that certain way. It looked more painful than a regular Boston Crab did. I mean, I know a regular Boston Crab ain't nothing to scoff at, but damn, it's like the little things you put into it.
4: Jericho so, used to kind of kneel on the luchador's heads, but, but that act looked more painful with Gunther grinding his Knee into Miz's back like that. I would love to see him do that more often and break that out as like a secondary finisher because it it looks fantastic because he's so big unless he's in there against like a Drew McIntyre or a priest or an Orton. That's going to be his size. He's going to have the size advantage over guys. And so it's going to look imposing and extremely hurdy. I would say the thing is he's got so many moves in his
1: arsenal that you can finish with the splash, the power bomb, you know, the Boston crab. It's like, damn,
4: make them smell the soles of his shoes with that thing I was like, dude he's fucking folding his ass up you remember i think it was beth phoenix did that to Molina, where she had her in a boston crab and then she was hitting her in the head with her own foot because <laughs> Molina was so flexible she was bent completely backwards
1: <laughs> Gemini Christmas. I don't, but if you can find a clip of it post in the group, cause that's friggin' incredible. I don't
0: remember that, but I'll have to look that up. It's like the ultimate bully. Make like you. Step in dog poop. And then beat you over the head with your own foot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, Gunther continues his
0: record breaking
1: reign and, you know, I have to agree with that. I can't wait to see. They need to put him against somebody bigger, and I think we might be getting to that point. I can't wait to see who they need.
0: Like all those guys are on that upper level, and he's got to drop the title before he can get up there. Yeah. Well, the so, question I mean, this, to me, that's why this looked like the perfect opportunity. You got time before the Rumble to get him in, established into some kind of program or with somebody, and then going into Mania where he's fighting for one of the heavyweight titles. And you guys think he's got the belt a long time. Wait till you see how they start pushing Rhea to break Moola's record. She's got about 40 mommy. more fucking years to go.
2: You uh, her mommy when she's 77. <laughs> <laughs> Those nipple rings are sparking on the sidewalk. You had to start that shit, <laughs> didn't you, Drew? Now, Chris isn't going to be like, the same the rest of the night. You had to start that shit, Drew.
4: Damn it, well, Grandma. I stand corrected. It was not a Boston Crab. It was an ankle lock that Beth had. <laughs> the That's in. even better. And she takes it and starts kicking her in the head with her own foot. It's from Rumble 2009. All right. right, Spectacular visual. You'll have to check it out later. Oh, definitely. That's freaking amazing
1: sounding. And that's even worse than an ankle lock. (laughs) That's even better sounding than an ankle lock the Next match was, in my opinion, the only match of the night I was a little disappointed by. But it has nothing to do with either competitor. And that's Dragon Lee and Santos Escobar. My complaint? should have been about five minutes longer because I was really enjoying it. I felt they were finally getting into the third gear and it stopped. That's my only complaint. Both guys look great. I'm a huge Dragon Leaf fan. I feel like he's got the Rey Mysterio kind of mystique behind him. And we've talked about Santos being a heel and how great he is. I felt it just oozes off of him. And props to the guy with the sign in the crowd that said, You want him to amputate his leg with a whole bunch of question and exclamation points that popping huge. So props to whoever that guy was. This was my least favorite match tonight just because I felt it should have gone about five minutes longer because I just want to see him cut loose. But I get the feeling we're only in the first inning of this nine inning game with
0: Dragon Lead, Carlito, LWO, feud. you know, so maybe we'll get that later on. Drew, what'd you think? I like this match. The finish I like too. It kind of strikes back to what we talked about a few shows back for one of the other PLEs about how the finishes were kind of all Japan. They were just kind of popping up out of nowhere. Like there wasn't a big huge build up to the finish. It was just like bang, you hit two moves and it was out. But with more time, these guys could totally blow the roof off the place. But with the match that they had and the time they had to do it in, they probably should have stepped on the gas a little bit more at the beginning. But it still ended well and finish was strong. So I think it's good. Dragon Lee didn't get made into mush, so he's still strong. But Escobar is definitely over. So worked out good. Agreed. Agreed. Dad, how did you feel about Santos and
2: Dragon League? Uh, I thought it brought out the best in Dragon League. I think there's still more to come from Santos. I think they're building him up to be that despicable heel that he was so good at when he first showed up in NXT. The match was fast-paced. They got a lot of great moves in. And I was a fan of the finish. I think he transitioned those two moves into the pinfall very, very well. And like Drew said, it also didn't hurt Dragon Lee at all. The only thing that might have hurt this match a little bit was that there really wasn't a build between the two guys except for Dragon Lee offering to step in for Carlito. I think that being said, I think the storytelling was done really well. And certainly Santos built himself up without Dragon Lee getting pushed down into the mud. It served its purpose in the context of this feud.
3: Cool. Bill? Boy, that Escobar, he's a spicy pepper, isn't he? He know, guns a-blazing, and just, whew, he's something. He's kind of mean, but he was really entertaining, though. Didn't he used to wear a mask? Anyway, this is probably my favorite match of the night. I don't know. I can't say that, but it definitely was entertaining, but I hear what you're saying. It was kind of like... Oh, okay. It's over again. I know I said it before, but that Escobar—he's really starting to grow on me. Eli Escobar is a lot of fun, and he's a smug, mean, evil son of a bitch. And that's the kind of guy I can get with. So I really like this match. I don't really have anything articulate to say about this stuff, but it was just—it was fun. But again, I think it did end a little premature. And you know, it was—you can't edge me too long, guys. But whatever. But yeah, I really enjoyed it.
4: Mike, how do you feel about? Well, this was my least favorite match of the night. That's a relative term because the other matches were all fantastic. These guys have such a better match in them that we will see at some point. I thought this was much slower. I don't want to say methodical because I don't think it was really methodical. It was just a slow match. Compared to what I expected in these two, I really was expecting more of like Nitro, car crash, you know, constant go, go, go action because I really wanted to see these guys go full tilt. And from bell to bell, just get in as much as you can while telling a great story. And they told a very good story, I think, but they didn't get as much into the match as they could have. And five more minutes would have helped, but I don't think you needed to have more time if you had a little faster pace to the match. And that's really what I expected. I mean, when this was Escobar Carlito, I thought that's going to be a good match. It'll be fine. But once it got changed to Dragon Lee, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be match of the night. Hands down. They will blow the doors off of everybody. And then they did.
3: Like you're saying, it was more of a, I want to say scientific, but it was more methodical and more scientific, not scientific, but it was more of, it wasn't flippy floppy. I do think that people expected more of that and there wasn't a lot of that. And I guess maybe that's why I liked it because it did, but yeah. there. But there is a better match out there for those guys. You know, maybe this is a preview of things to come, something more exciting. But I enjoyed it. I didn't need that.
4: I did too. Like I said, when I say it was my least favorite match, the others were all amazing. So. To me, this, it was still a very good match on a lot of shows so it would rank up near the top. And it, it didn't have to be a bunch of flippy shit either. I just felt like their pace was much slower. I expected Escobar to do some high-impact stuff, you know, hard-hitting, because he has a little bit of a size advantage on Dragon Lee, maybe. Not a lot, but a little bit. And he doesn't have that in too many matchups. And I really thought Dragon Lee would be a little more spectacular in what he would do, I guess is maybe the word for it. I don't know. I just, it was a good match. I just had much higher expectations because I thought they were going to go out and just try to blow the doors off of everybody and be like, follow this. And maybe, I don't know at what point the plan changed to Dragon Lee or if it was always Dragon Lee and this was always what they were going to do. I don't keep up enough on the news to know if Carlito is actually injured and has been for some length of time, and so they had to build it this way, or if they just made a last-minute decision, I'm not sure. If it was a last-minute thing, then I'll chalk it up to that, and the fact that if they would have had a month to plan this out, we probably would have received a different match, and I'd probably feel differently about it if that makes sense
1: no it makes perfect sense and honestly i read somewhere on saturday afternoon that apparently it was always supposed to be dragon lee in the match and they decided that beforehand they just kind of used carlito to get kind of like a setup to shoe dragon lee in but no i agree with what you're saying like i said you know maybe this is just the start of what we're going to get i mean if the rumors are true and los Lotharios are joining santos we're gonna get some Barnburner burner six-man tag team matches out of this and hopefully like the old school wcw you know like you said the, like the nitro luchador car wrecks you know let's bring in el dandy because no one can doubt el dandy right bill who, who am I?
0: <laughs> no one doubts that. For, for Dragon Lee, I'm kind of concerned that this is the end of the feud for him. I feel like they're going to want Escobar to keep ascending and that Dragon Lee is just someone on his, in the ashes of his wake. I go like till the next couple weeks on TV, but I don't know. I feel like he stuck him and pinned him with the finisher and right in the middle, clean as a sheet. I was like, well, shit. I wonder if he'd put oatmeal packets in his fanny pack too. He
4: just gives me that vibe. <laughs> you power. think I? Escobar would heal a continental breakfast, huh? I don't know. That very saint-like behavior. He's one of those underground saints.
3: I mean, would Escobar and Mean Bug at an adorable little six-month-old baby? I do think this Escobar, who's a real bad egg, would probably do that. He'd be real mean. Not a good parent. Or, I mean,
0: child watcher. Caregiver. Bad. Yeah. Escobar's kind of giving off those, like... Rick Martel slash Gino Hernandez heel vibes. Yeah. Yes. you douchebag. That's what made, like, Martel, when he was a heel as the model, like, his work was slow. Because he'd do, he'd kick, stomp a few times, and then he'd do, like, the, doing that, fucking, like, dusting himself off. <laughs> you know, it's just slow. You know, it's not very exciting. I mean, the people fucking hate you, but it's not a very exciting type of work. Yeah, because when he was a babyface,
3: you know, he was not, he was pretty plucky and and very flowing. Martel was, was, you know, so just a great guy, great worker. And then I think Escobar, although LB had a different background
0: and different kind of thing, I think has the potential to do all that. Yeah, Martel didn't run in place nearly as much when he became a heel. Right.
1: I mean, hopefully Escobar gets this same star power treatment that like Del Rio did or, you know, or that... Andrade should have got.
3: Yeah, the only worry is, as stated before, I think he's only five eleven. But nowadays, it's a, it's a new day with the, with the man of three H's in charge. So hopefully, yes, it is. You know, right? So I'm hoping because you know I don't think he needs to be six foot twelve to be over.
1: Again, it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement. I want to see what happens going forward. And more, Heel Santos is always good.
4: I would imagine the feud continues because I think Dragon Lee's the guy they're going to push as the successor to Ray, as your mask spelling luchador. They've tried it with different guys and never found one that worked. I think Dragon Lee is the guy, as long as he don't botch like Sin Cara Because every time they tried to do a Sin Cara, he <laughs> up and people like he well sucked. then they replaced him with the new Sinkara and he was fine but at that point vince was done trying to replace ray yeah. they just went Ray back yeah so, and drake is just kid, so he's got a lot of career ahead of him he's not very old enough. right and i didn't realize this until just the other day when we were catching up on some AEW. but his brothers are Drolistico and roosh mm. in AEW. Yeah. so maybe at some point they come over and you get Feud or you know yeah. working family as a team, eh, lots of possibilities because they're both good workers too. Yeah, definitely agreed. Speaking of AEW, I have a beep 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 breaking
3: other ship news report. Apparently MJF tore his shoulder. I guess he's so- going to pay per view, but who knows what's going on.
2: So we'll see him at the Rumble as a. Entrant in 2024. <laughs> it was a good bet. And Chris, I have a breaking raw report. Randy Orton just told mommy that Daddy was home. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, uh, that was an interaction I was kind of waiting for. Her reaction when his music hit, we'll get to that, but that was gold when her the first reaction you see besides Priest in the cage, is hers. And she's like, oh, man. But anyway, speaking of mommy, she's in the next match. Her and Zoe Stark. And let me tell you, I mean, I always think Rhea looks incredible. And I know a lot of people second me on this. Her hair on
4: Saturday night was on point. So as was the rest of the album. You talked about the hair. Ashlyn, when we were watching said it reminded her of luna Vachon. to me yes. the overall look of the hair and the outfit and everything was once again more sensational sherry to me so okay. either way you can go wrong yes but i mean that's her doing that on
1: purpose awesome you know if that's her paying homage to women's wrestlers of the past awesome and i won't put it past her because i think she's been a lifelong fan too but i feel this is though he starts coming out party i thought she put on a hell of a match had a couple good host spots and You know, I mean, we all knew Rhea wasn't going to lose, but this solidified Zoe as somebody who should be a major player going forward in the women's division. I'm still sticking by. She's going to have a good rumble run if they do it right. Rhea dominates and, you know, kind of her decisive win right before the match kind of made you believe that Judgment Day might win the main event. I mean, there was definitely some question of that they would. Drew, what'd you think?
0: Short and sweet, man. Predictable outcome. And Zoe worked her ass off and showed very well and things look good for her going forward.
2: The Rhea Ripley train marches on. Yep. Dad? It was a good match, good solid match. I don't think it was anything spectacular, but yeah, you're right, Zoe did work hard and presented herself really well, and I think she's got a future. The whole thing with her and Trish is not finished playing out yet somewhere down the line and Rhea, what can you say about her i mean i wasn't a real big fan at the very beginning but you know she's she's really grown on me and uh, she's one of a kind i mean she is very unique you know there's a lot of good female wrestlers in the wwe but she has certainly made her mark as being unique and one of a kind i think she's generational me too bill this match was
3: very fun and old school. <laughs> when they slapped the shit out of each other, that was fun. And then, like, shit like DDTs and stuff like that. I always get a kick out of it. And Zoe looks like a legitimate threat. I guess my thing compared to the Miz match is that, I don't know, Zoe looked like it was possible. It just seemed like more of a, it didn't seem like, because Rhea's a dominant, I guess what I mean is Rhea being such a dominant, powerful force. Zoe looked like she could keep up with her a little better for me and my, you know, sort of viewpoint. But that Rhea Ripley, she's a rough Shayla and she'll break you up good you know she is a lot of fun like Max said she's something and she's a superstar man you know what I mean like she's gonna be in movies someday probably but She, I mean I guess she would because she's like five times as big as any other leading lady so she'll probably be like the the hench lady the hench woman but I'm here for it or you know like the bad guy because I think she's got that kind of charisma but it was the a fun match <laughs> what's that
0: the hench lady the hench That's a lady of
3: you. I'm the hench Shayla long story short it was a fun match and I'm glad I rewound it after i woke up and put off seeing the special ending for a while
1: whenever bill said uh dominant force i thought he said dominic force i'm like well yeah we've already established that mike how do you feel about the women's title match
4: well I loved that Zoe came out hot on offense and took it to Rhea because that's not the kind of thing Rhea's used to and it put her kind of on tilt a little bit to start out to where she's used to being the aggressor and the dominant force to start the match and she was kind of on her back foot trying to catch up to Zoe so I liked that (laughs) when Zoe was trying first to do that corkscrew senton from the outside in and Rhea jumped up and cracked her with the headbutt that was beautiful so was the apron DD that zoe followed that up with where yes Rhea stood up on her head to take the move which was great and then when zoe did hit that corkscrew senton back in from the apron to the ring though i had to go back i kept missing it when i was re-watching it today i would look away and she did it so quickly that i had to keep rewinding it to finally catch it and it's so slick she jumps and then quickly hits her foot off of the second rope on the outside to flip herself Like, it's so fluid. It's just a a great-looking move. I really like that. Zoe's bump off the ring post when Rhea threw into that looked rough as hell. It was a beautiful bump and sell after she hit the floor. And then when Rhea had her in the ring, Zoe was face down on the mat. Rhea grabbed her arms and would pull her up and then stomp her face down into the mat. It just looked so brutal, and it kind of gave Rhea some heat back, I think. It was a great spot put in there to remind everybody, Zoe's hanging with her and looking great, but Rhea is a monster, legit. And there was a spot where Zoe hit kind of a spin kick and Rhea just fell straight back on her ass and kind of slumped over. Like, it would have been better if she was in the corner and did that, I think. But seeing the visual of that, like, straight down in kind of the middle of the ring just sold, like, the impact of that kick and made it look even better than it was. And it's those little things that not everybody does in their matches that just adds so much and why somebody like Rhea stands out so much. I think in the women's division, when they're at a point where they have a ton of talent in the women's division, she does all these little things that just put her that much ahead of some of the other ladies. Rhea hit a really nice looking Northern light suplex, which is something I don't know if she uses a lot, but it's a nice another little trick in her bag to break out. And I thought Zoe looked great in defeat. Yeah, Rhea still looks strong from the fight that Zoe put up and what Rhea had to overcome and it showed that she's just got that little extra gear or just a little more in the tank than what maybe anybody in the women's division has. I mean, until we see her and Bianca, which I think is the ultimate. And I don't know if it'll be this mania or neck, but to me, that's like the ultimate matchup. And no offense to Raquel or Jade Cargill, because those four might be the future of the division until like Tiffany Stratton and uh, Lyra Valkyria join that level. Cause they're not, they've got the potential to get there, but they're not there yet. But it's those little things that Rhea does that everybody else either can't do or just doesn't do as consistently as she does that makes her stand out so much even apart from the look and her promos how they make her stand out her in-ring stuff stands out more than everybody else it's kind of amazing
1: i totally agree and i think her and i've 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 said it before i think her and bianca is your money main event for night one of Either her and Bianca or her and Becky is going to be the money match for night one of WrestleMania. I think Rhea's earned that, especially because, I mean, her ascent truly, truly started in most people's eyes. I mean, I knew she was great beforehand, but the match her and Charlotte had was definitely one of the three most talked about matches at WrestleMania weekend last year because that's when she proved beyond a shout out she belonged there and it's just been stellar and you know she's been improving I mean her matches have always been good but the little things she does like you mentioned it's all the little things in the matches she does the way she carries herself she's arguably the most over member of judgment day at this point and that's not to say judgment day is terrible at all because I think judgment day is great and how great it is we're gonna roll right into the main event the men's war game match of the judgment day with special guest star Drew McIntyre versus the all Star faced team of Jay Uso, Sami Zayn. We had Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, and the return of Mr. RKO himself, Randy Orton. I was very surprised Cody didn't pull a Dusty tribute to start the match, but I appreciate the fact that he didn't. You know, Seth proven that he's the fighting champ, and coming down him and Finn starting the match with their history together, I thought was outstanding. And everybody just you know the little stories they told in the match, like. Can you trust Jay? Drew wanting to bust out of that little cage and go beat Jay's ass. And just all the little stories they told in that match I felt was awesome. And I could go on because I really really enjoyed everything about this match. And you know just all the little things. When Cody and Seth did the bullrope spot and then Seth grabbed Cody goes, is he going to be here or not? Like, hey we could get along for one night, but is Randy going to be here? And I loved how they played that up. And it's like, okay, JD McDonough is now officially the punching bag of the judgment day although he might be the mvp of this match besides randall and you know dom's doing all all his dirty stuff and it was just from pillar to post outstanding i think the real thing to talk about is the return of randy and they played it up so well you didn't know what he was gonna do but that pop that chicago pop he got and he's coming out all smiling it's like oh shit, it's like we're about to get crazy ass randy he's gonna turn heel and first rko in 18 months goes to mr dominic mysterio Randy just eaten everything up. And you could tell he was overjoyed to be back and just great to see him back doing all the signature spots. And you realize that say what you will about the guy in his past, he truly is a legend now. And he got the reaction he deserved, and it was great to see him back. You didn't realize how much you missed him. It was, it was kind of like the Cena thing. You didn't realize how much you missed him until he came back after a long period. Like holy shit! So the good guys win. Cody gets the pin on Priest, which I'm kind of surprised Damien took the pinfall, but that's neither here nor there. I think that's also going to play into something later on. Surprisingly, Judgment Day didn't implode, which I think I had called, but was happy to see it didn't happen because I think we still got some life in it. Drew, what'd you think?
0: I thought that I was kind of bummed out because while. The surprise that I predicted happened (laughs) and the cashing in of the briefcase was about to happen. I thought it was about to play out a little bit like the way I thought it would. But it wasn't meant to be, again. Pipe dream for me. But I thought the match was insanely awesome. I had a blast watching it. A million pops throughout the whole thing. And just like the women's match, it just kept going. Great storytelling throughout. And the bull rope spot was awesome. Just so much great work in the whole match. So many little stories being told. And like I said, the brandy coming out. And then that RKO with JD off the top of the cage was insane. I mean, what timing? Impeccable. Can't say enough. It was just out of this world, man phenomenal match great finish got the intended result and yeah and then the big surprise we'll get to the big surprise after we do the rounds about the match i feel that's gonna be a hot
1: topic of conversation by the time we get to the end dad how do you feel about the main event
2: i thought it was predictable i liked how they played out the randy thing and how he came in and the spot where he looked at jay was priceless Absolutely priceless. I'm sort of surprised there wasn't an RKO there, but it would have probably changed the whole dynamic of the match. It was very well done. Like you, Chris, I'm really surprised that it was Priest who took the fall. I, I think you're right. That might play into something later on because he was all hep on being the leader. So I have a funny feeling that's going to play into something down the road here. Drew, it's hard to figure out what's going to happen with Drew. That's another thing that's coming out of this for me. I, I just don't know where he's going to land. But all in all, I think it was a great main event. I mean, it wasn't as good as the first War Games match with the females, but... I've seen worse Wargames matches, and it wasn't the best match in the card, but it wasn't the worst. Yeah, I think the Jey Uso
1: apology tour definitely has got some more legs to it. The look Randy gave him was pretty damn great. I do have to agree, the oh shit look on Jay's face was pretty damn priceless. I must say, it's like, oh man, they did say something though, and it kind of made me laugh in the visual Drew and a whole bunch of people are surrounding Jay, and Jay just looks at Drew and says, Hey man, I'm sorry. If that's all Drew wanted Drew turn around and start Claymore kicking people left and right, that'd be kind of funny. They're like, okay, well, he said to us, sorry, I'm
3: out. Bill, how'd you feel about the match? I just spent 18 months fixing my back. The first thing I'm going to do is jump off the top of the cage and RKO somebody. That was holy smokes, like, geez, Randall. That was a lot of fun. It was fun to see everybody lose their minds when they beat the shit out of diamond and surrounded them and stuff like that. That was really funny. Again, the bit with Rhea and the Money in the Bank thing was cool, but you know, just having Randy just like blow it out of the water. So it was like holy shit into holy shit like they you know, right at one after another. But I'm curious what they're gonna do with Drew McIntyre because He looked pretty strong in that match. He was like choke slamming the shit out of people, which I always mark out for. I like him a lot, and I wonder, I don't know, is he going to be like a tweener, sort of? Like, what if he's like a Scottish sort of stone cold and just a badass, doesn't take shit from anybody? You can't trust him if you're a good guy or a bad guy. Does he, I mean, he's got charisma. Does he have that much charisma? I don't know. And it was fun to watch JD McDonough be like the punching thing. too. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. It was a fun match. The bit with the Randy, there was no, there was another thing of the good body language, too, of Randy and Jay. They were kind of looking at each other in the whole side eye thing. And that was cool. It was fun, man. Randy's just so talented. And I guess you don't realize that until he comes back. That's how I feel. I mean, anyway, he was like, wow, he really is on next level. And kind of took him for granted when he was around all the time and whatever. But now I just kind of miss him for a year and a half. And it's like, wow, that was something. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mike, how did you feel about the main event?
4: Well, before I jump into the match, I want to kind of tack on to what Bill was saying about Orton there. I feel like he is, maybe along with Barry Windham, two of the most naturally gifted, born-to-do-this guys in the history of the business. And sort of in the Windham vibe, I don't think that Orton always took it as seriously as he should have. And I feel like there's probably, on his part and also from a fan perspective, a little bit of disappointment that his career wasn't even bigger than it was. If he would have been as dedicated as like Cena, we're talking about Orton as maybe the GOAT because he had every, he checks every single box. He can do every single thing. He can play face, he can play heel, he can have promos, he can work, he can sell, he can bump, he can do everything. But he just didn't always put in the effort to be the best guy. Like he was content being a top guy, but not the top guy all the time. And I mean, part of that was probably the fact that he started so young and was maybe, or not even maybe, was definitely immature for a while and got pushed to the top so quick and everything, in part because of one of those Vince hissy fit things where there had to be a new younger champion than Brock because Brock left the company. But you just you see like Orton's power slam. The only guys that do it as good, in my opinion, and maybe there's somebody further back that I don't think of. But it's Barry Windham and it's Dustin Rhodes, another guy who's just a step below Orton and Windham when it comes to being a prodigy. I think. But the fluidity of his movements, and like, there's no wasted motion in what Randy Orton does because it's like he was born to do this. He's like the prototype. He was created in a lab to do this stuff, and he just happened to be Bob Orton's kid. (laughs) Like that's how it is. But. As far as the match goes, Rollins and Balor to start building off their history from the first Universal title match and Balor's injury to the history they had earlier this year for this title, I thought was a great way to get going. Then you had the mentor and protege aspect of McDonough coming in second and it being him and Balor teaming up on Seth. So I like that. It's some of the little storyline kind of things that they did like that, that I thought were really well done in this match. Priest comes in, gives them the advantage again, uses his thighs to to clean house for a little bit. Sammy brings that crazy energy when he comes in just like everybody played to their strengths I don't know who the agent was for this match but it was very well laid out in the order the guys came in and what they each brought as they came in and I think the thing with Drew especially and you know the reports after about him storming out as soon as the match was over going straight to his locker room getting his shit and leaving I feel like that we're in an era where we're trying to work the dirt sheets and I feel like this was probably just done for him to build like his frustration with Priest and Judgment Day because they wouldn't listen to Drew's ideas on what to do. It was Damien had the idea he's in charge. We do what he says. Like when Drew tried to go in, when Damien went in, Damien's like, no, trust me, trust the plan, trust my plan. And I think that's where it plays out going forward. Now, we're an hour into Raw. I could be completely off on this. I won't watch it until after we're done recording. But that's my guess as to what they're doing with him. And we're going to see him against Judgment Day in some form Whether it takes until the Rumble, whether it happens now, I don't know. I liked all the references to things outside of WWE. Michael Cole talking about this isn't the first time Cody sold out a show in Chicago. You never got those things when Vince was in charge. Triple H is much more self-confident, I think maybe is the way to put it. Or not afraid to mention the competition, even if it's in a roundabout way. Because he realized there's value in acknowledging what people have done outside of WWE. To piggyback on
1: that, the one I seriously barked out for... Was- was when Sammy came out and everyone's going, Olé, 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 Olé. And Cole made an El Generico reference. I'm like, yes, I'm like, I cannot believe they just did that. That is amazing.
4: Right. I think part of it maybe is Corey on the announce team too, because he and Cole together, they allude to a lot of these things. But I think a lot of it's Triple H is like, yeah, I don't care. You feel free to mention these things, because it helps add context to the story and the match and everything. Because Triple H loves
0: the business. Yeah. And realizing- they're also aware that by ignoring it, now they know that they're insulting people's intelligence.
4: Right. And where Vince didn't give a shit about that, I think he purposely did things to insult people's intelligence. Whereas Triple H is like, why would we fucking do that? Everybody yeah. knows this shit exists. We can talk about it.
0: Yeah, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to break a new star when you bring them in. Right. Yeah. Like, if they could have got Will Ospreay, exactly, you're gonna be like, Hey, here's Tim Meadows or whatever, <laughs> you know, just not that Tim Meadows. They you find know. the ladies'
4: man, that's amazing. I say, that's I picture Will Osprey coming in as the ladies' man, as the ladies', ladies man. man. Oh, ladies, yes, ladies. my
3: name is Will Clausier now,
4: <laughs> the Leon, right? Yeah, Leon Phelps. Yes. Yeah, felt the, the leadest man.
0: The crowd would blow being like, Hey, it's Will Ospreay, but then it's like Tim. You know? Right. In the internet age, you can't just change a guy's name completely like that. Like you could do that bringing in John Nord as the berserker, but right. you bring in Harley Race, he's Harley Race. Right. You just slap a crown on him. <laughs> you know, you that's a guy you couldn't change, you know. You couldn't be like, He's the space invader or whatever. Exactly. exactly. I actually I said
4: I'm from the moon. Exactly. <laughs> now I wish we would have had Space Invader Harley Race. I think that could have put a thing. Bill, that's that's a design you need to work on. You need to draw up Space Invader Harley Race, <laughs> kind of like Astronaut Jones with Tracy Morgan on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> People
1: changing names. I just read somewhere and I I never heard the story, but back when AJ signed with WWE and they were talking to him about changing his name and he goes, well, he goes, unfortunately, guys, he goes, I kind of have it tattooed on my rib cage. So (laughs) he's like, that kind of creates a problem.
4: I like how throughout the night they teased tension between Rollins and Cody over Orton not being there. Whether that leads to anything or whether it's all forgotten because Orton showed up, I don't know. But if nothing else, it's planting seeds for later on. And the visual of Dom being surrounded like he was in the prison yard. I think Cole even mentioned it. Before he said it, that was my first thing. was like, oh, this is like where Dom ran his mouth in the chow line or something. And now they're out for yard time and he's about to get (laughs) shanked. He also
1: made one of the best comments of the night when Dom was last on the committee goes, Hey, he goes, that's the longest time he spent in the prison. (laughs) cell."
0: Going back to what you were saying about how Seth and Cody were beefing about, is he coming? Is he not coming? I thought it was interesting how flippant Seth was on it. You know, He'd be like, where is he? What the heck? What the heck? He said he'd be here. And then right before the match, he's like, well, I guess it's just time to go to war boys. Let's go. You know, I'm like, well, what the hell are you mad? Are you not mad? You know, and he kept being like that throughout the whole thing. He's just like, was he was, bad, you
4: know? reached the the acceptance stage of, yeah. of whatever. It was, you know, he'd got to that stage. But the triple choke slam spot with Drew and Priest that looked great. And then, so yeah. you know, it Priest, like being the commanding general and being like, "All right, you go up here, you go up here, you go up here," and directing the other three guys to hit the moves off the top on the prone opponents was great. And then the timing for Rhea coming out with the ref and the briefcase and getting it right to that point. I think the timing was almost perfect with that and Orton if they could have waited a beat longer. And I don't want him to ring the bell and start to cash in and then priest lose it but if they could have gotten just a little closer let the announcer start to say damian priest is and then orton's music hits cutting it off i think would have been even better but it was really good the way it was like the reactions rheas reaction Priest's reaction yeah. when his music
1: hit and the crowd lost their shit i'm like you cannot have got better than that
4: okay did anybody notice when randy was walking the aisle he kind of veered off and almost looked like he stumbled and i yes. thought for about a half second did he just fuck up his ankle or something on the way to the ring was he like too excited and just pulled a carry going for a cheeseburger across the room and he's not going to be able to do anything in the match now but I think he was just really drinking it in and realizing how much he had missed being away and everything you know I really wanted him to hit Jay with the RKO when he turned around there and started pounding his fists in Jay's face and it should have happened you could have done that and still had them win the match or have him hit an RKO on Jay is they're celebrating something. It should have yes. been acknowledged. And it could have been like he hits one on Jay. Everybody looks at him and Jay kind of like half sits up and like gives a thumbs up like, I get it. I deserved that. Or even like Jay looking at Orton and being like, I deserve it. Go ahead. You know what I mean? You yeah, could have exactly. done it and made it work in the context of the match. But I love well, the, the five-way draping DDT spot. I thought that was another cool visual. There were a lot of cool visuals in this one. And that RKO from the top of the cage. At first, I thought it was going to be a double superplex off the top, and I'm like, holy shit, these guys are fucking crazy. And then Orton gets up and gives that look. I'm like, oh shit, we're getting the Matt Seidel treatment. Fantastic. <laughs> oh shit! In the slow-mo Ocean. that's the second best fall i saw somebody took over
1: thanksgiving weekend besides the famous hans gruber drop <laughs> that is probably my third favorite rko in history now the second being evan born but the first has to go to seth or wrestlemania 31 out of the stomp and i totally called him and i said hey wouldn't that be really cool if you went for the stomp and ran threw him in midair like hit there and then, then i oh my god it's great to see randy back no i totally agree like i said my name is jay and jay is on the tour of <laughs> redemption but i agree him and Jay and Jay looking up and giving him thumbs up like i deserve that would have been amazing an amazing way to do it so faces win. everyone's soaking in the adulation
4: now we can and talk it- about my favorite part of the night right
1: yes and cult of personality hits
2: motherfucker
1: <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for that, <laughs> that- <laughs> and the moment i didn't think was going to happen And to me, this was a bigger shock than him coming out in AEW. Just because of the way everything went with him there. The pop was unreal. And they couldn't have did it anywhere else other than Chicago for this to be a thing. I don't think it would have happened anywhere else other than Chicago, to be honest with you. And the thing I noticed on the rewatch tonight... When Punk comes out and everybody's like crying, losing their minds, you know, hugging, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes over to the first guy on the left there, and the guy's like holding on to him, like for dear life, and he's trying to get a selfie and Punk waves his arm. I'm pretty sure Punk knocked the guy's phone away, which is hysterical to me. I watched, I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm like, did he totally just send that dude's phone flying? Because That's fantastic. And it was a moment and. You know, I was a huge, huge punk fan. He one of the first guys when I got into in wrestling way back when, and things through the years have kind of soured me on him, and I openly admit it, but here's the thing about bringing him back now. Triple H, always about 10 years ago, Triple H brought back Bruno to be like the Goodwill Ambassador to Hall of Fame and said this is something people never thought they'd see. And then a couple years later Vince brought back, or no, I'm sorry, I think Warrior came back around in the same
3: time but anyway
2: so i'm getting my timeline mixed up just don't even mention bruno and cm punk in the same fucking breath okay that's just not fair to bruno
3: What about bruno insane clown past in the same sentence said okay
1: <laughs> oh. the meme today said it all it's a meme with triple h and cm punk standing there doing the point in each other which to me is surreal and then it's uh simpsons being with Tony khan holding out jack perry going this is all your fault
4: <laughs> yeah you know shit (laughs) it was real glass the domino meme to me is the best one you've got the little domino that says somebody on twitter saying that ring of honor couldn't sell out a 10k arena and then you got the great big domino at the end of cm punk returning to wwe because that's pretty much how it all turned out yeah who would have thought from that little tweet (laughs) that this is where we'd be here's the thing at this
1: point i don't think the company needs cm punk I think this is more of an FU to AEW at this point.
3: Absolutely. This is old school sabotaging the competition. I feel like that's the first real rumble against Kraken or something, you know. Because
1: look at the talent roster they have. They almost have so much they don't know what to do with it all. Yeah. And that's a credit to Triple H. Because since H has taken over, we've got, God, I mean, just, we've talked about Judgment Day, Cody, Gunther, LA Knight. Seth Rollins, Nakamura, you could go on and say, okay, each of these guys is a big deal. So you're going to add CM Punk into this. And admittedly, the landscape of the company has changed so much since last time we saw him there. I think that's what drew him back is Vince is no longer in charge. And, you know, you're going to get, and it's a different group of guys for the most part. And there are so many fresh matchups and storylines and a lot to do. He would be great to put over the younger talent, which is why I think they were going to have him do with AEW. And we saw how that turned out. But uh, the AEW thing ended up being a fiasco of the highest quality and kind of soured me on them, too. And that was the start of it.
3: Because there was nobody that could control it. And really said, the WWE did exactly what AEW should have done and capitalized on all this. I saw there was 87 million streams of all that. It, you know I mean? That's like putting everything, like the buzz that WWE has now was just, Massive and it absolutely wasn't F U to AEW. And Tony Khan honestly should be I don't I I hate to pile on like everybody does we should be ashamed of himself because how do you blow something like that and turn it into what it's turned into? It's ridiculous. You know, exactly. But, I mean, that's the thing, they don't need him, but holy shit, he sure is putting them almost in mainstream news at this point. I mean, you know, we're there like eighty seven million streams. That's that's numbers right there.
1: Just wait Troy dropped Drew's Christmas album. We're gonna be able to match that here's what i would love to have happen and i know it probably won't but punk comes out on raw tonight because we're recording this on monday night as we've established and Punk just comes out and goes you stupid fucking barks i hate every single one of you if he did that Instantly, he'd be one of my favorite dudes again, just for him to come out and just tear everybody a new asshole. I'm like, dude, because he can, and he'd be right to an extent. Yeah, You know, establish him as the big bad guy that everybody goes after.
3: Did you see Rhea's reaction video too? I know there's a lot of focus on Seth Rollins and thank God for Michael Cole again, but did you (laughs) see? The Rhea Ripley one where she's flipping them off and all other stuff, standing by Dominic and stuff, and she's like, Oh, whatever. It's pretty funny and it's like people are falling for this stuff and it's And I think it's awesome. It's great because WWE's doing what AEW could have done for real, but like they're smart enough since I'm guessing it's gonna be Seth versus Punk to start from this stuff or at least something down the road, but
1: And I mean I'm gonna step on my dad's toes here for a second, but I've been doing that for thirty eight years. <laughs> whoever should have had the spot that Punk is going into, but hopefully they get something out of this, too, because, you know, whoever spot, you know, they're supposed to have feud with Seth or feud with whoever, assuming is going to be in a big-time spot, obviously. Yeah. You know, whose spot is he taking? And is it going to be worth it? We'll see. Okay, well, I've blabbed enough about this. Drew, how do you feel about the return of Phil Brooks.
0: I don't think he's taking anybody's spot because the spot that he has is something that nobody else can really have. If you really look at it, we go back in time from the very beginning from the Jess McMahon days. What is the biggest feud that the New York promotion has ever had? Hogan versus Piper? No. Nope. Hogan <laughs> versus McMahon. And they have in their hands right now the guy who just fucked off Tony Khan. The guy who left Vince McMahon and fucked him off. Yeah. And had huge beef with Triple H, and now here he is, and then here you have, not Triple H anymore, now it's Paul Levesque. Paul Levesque and Phil Brooks. You have money waning, the ultimate anti-establishment, fuck you boss guy. And the guy that brought him back who they have a hundred thousand leagues under the seas worth of history and disdain genuine which i think is under the rug now but for storyline purposes it's all right there for the taking in the words of cyrus now can you dig it they literally have the next boom period in wrestling in their hands if they so choose to go that way
1: i mean i certainly hope you're right i mean i'm not even gonna lie and i think now my internal booker is racing with what you just said and i think i I have a few ideas as to what could happen. And of course, you know, Triple H can be like, Ask her you
0: and blow all of our minds with it. The Fire. proof of if they choose to do this, that is the difference between the WWE and AEW. WWE will be smart enough to use this reality as a story, whereas they just used it to for real. <laughs> right. To make any money off of it. Exactly. Made zero dollars. CM like- Punk made a shitload of dollars. Yeah. Like you said,
3: though, this could be another boom period. Exactly, it gets big.
0: I mean, Jesus, I love the summer of
1: Punk when he had the belt and Vince was chasing after him. You know, when he beats Cena and he's like, "Hey, I'm taking the belt and running away." I would love to see them try and do something like that. Don't get me wrong, I, I want to see that. It.
0: But then now you got the promos that Punk could cut with real fucking razor edge truth behind them. I mean, as long as everybody knows that they're you know borderline and with their promos, it's all fair yeah. game. But. I mean, there's so much razor-sharp shit they could do promo-wise. Unbelievable. I mean, that's where Drew could come in. Paul Levesque could do some, you know, you catch the guy with the camera coming around the corner, seeing him talking to Drew or whatever, and doing kind of getting him on his payroll, giving him all the advantages type of situation. Start the feuds, just like Austin going after McMahon forever, McMahon chasing after Austin forever. And it was the hottest time they ever had, most money they ever made, and they could totally do it again.
1: I don't know, Austin McMahon was my favorite feud in wrestling history just because I had never seen something like that. But everybody's different. If somebody knows how to cut a promo where they will get under your skin, you ain't gonna find better than CM Punk, in my opinion. Let's go to the one that, unfortunately I looked, they don't have 4X in the best in the world shirts. Like I looked at, they also don't have toddler sizes for JJ. yet. Let's hear my dad's opinion on the return of CM Punk.
2: Well, I love you guys a whole bunch, but I'm on a totally different wavelength than you guys on this thing. Let's just put it this way. I don't see, I've never thought CM Punk had that much talent. I don't know how he got to be where he is, and I know I'm in the minority, and I'm really pissed off about this. Like Chris said, I think he's taking somebody's spot. He has to be, okay? There's already not enough room for a whole shitload of talent. Okay, I would voiced my opinion about there not being an elimination match. He had a whole bunch of talent that wasn't on that fucking show. If I was whatever his name is, I can't even think of his name now. Yeah, that guy, I'd be fucking pissed, okay? Because there goes all his thunder that he's worked so hard to get. Seriously, because of CM Punk. That's all people are going to think about now is CM Punk. And this goes back to me being an older guy and all that stuff. But, you know, he's been nothing but a dick, okay? And he's getting rewarded for being a dick. And I just can't deal with that. That's just me and the way I look at things. And I know this is wrestling and it's not really reality. But, you know, he's been nothing but a dickhead. I'm not sure what it means that people still love him and admire him and shit. But I just don't see it. Because, frankly, I never thought he was all that great to begin with, even when he was back in WWE the first time. So I know I'm in the minority, but I think this is all bullshit. And it's what it is, and it's going to be what it's going to be. But I'm not going to be a fan of it. I personally think the
1: Punk and LA Night Feud is one that needs to happen at some point. I really do, because I feel that L.A. Knight is one of the guys who has learned to carry the torch in Punk's stead, and Punk and him would work magic together. But again, that might be down the line. Who
3: knows? Bill? Well, I've said it. I think it's regardless of how you feel. I like Punk, but I make your opinion. You made me laugh, but I also respect it, you know, because he is a dick. But he's also, you know, he wears his influences on his sleeve, and he inherits a legacy of a lot of talented guys. And like he said, hey, I got Ratty Piper likes me and Harley Race likes me, so I don't care about you know, hell yeah, you know. And that's kind of his greatness and also his dickishness or whatever, is that he doesn't give a shit. Like, he probably just flick the phone. I have to watch it again, Chris, because it's funny because all the like replays they cut right before they goes with the guy that it was like, put. but I remember that. I was like, that guy's awful handsy with him, but see, yeah. I was like, CM Punk is sure being friendly with that guy because he's kind of a prickly motherfucker. So I have to watch it in closer to see him flick the phone because that checks out you know more with his character but I love it again he's going to get me to watch the W probably on a regular basis little more often I can I do it I've been enjoying it but I wasn't watching all the time as much because I'm just so like I said I next like an old asshole but it is predictable some of the results but this really makes me want to watch so I'm going to keep watching just to see what the hell happens because it's must see TV am I right anymore I mean Max probably like fuck that shit but it's interesting to me so I'm going to see what happens next I probably will check her Ra- out at least check you know some after we record just to see if he shows up. I'm sure he's gonna, right? Tonight he's supposed to be on Raw? Yeah. yeah he'll probably be in the main event segment now, I imagine. Which is interesting because somebody noticed that they probably should have got him on right away because his biggest fan base being in Chicago, they're going to tune to the Bears game. But it's like, if you really think that many people in Chicago are that much in the ratings, I don't know the hell yet. But it is an interesting decision. But I think it's a small market to worry about for a time slot to keep people in suspense and keep them watching the whole show. You know what I mean? So just interesting.
2: They live in interesting times. The Bears are only playing the Vikings. It's only the Vikings. <laughs> okay and if you know you know what that all means to me and it's another beloved person of another podcast group so (laughs) got me in a shitload of trouble with them i mean it's three to nothing okay the bears are winning three to nothing and it's almost halftime so they're not missing a fucking thing hey don't be shitting on the bears too much that's drew's team right there well you like sean michaels too so i mean nobody's perfect i hear you there i'm more of a kurt Henning guy than a sean michaels guy oh that works
1: yeah, that checks out. And I'm
0: more of a Buddy Landell guy than I am a Kurt Hennig guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now let's hear from our cult personality himself, Michael Harris.
4: <laughs> Bill said earlier that this was a fuck you to AEW. I guess, but this is more of a capitalizing on what's going to do great business than it is anything. They've gotten 90 million views. On the YouTube video of his return, I saw somebody, and I don't remember where, it was on Facebook, I think, but it might have been Twitter, talking about what that translates to money-wise. They're making millions of dollars off of this video of him debuting. Like They probably paid for what he is going to make from them through social media views and ad revenue. So why wouldn't you do that? You're going to make yourself so much money in merch, you're going to potentially increase your value for the rights fees for Raw, and that's the big thing. And that's where there might be a fucking AEW, because I don't know what the length of time the contract is they have with Warner Brothers Discovery for TNT and TBS, but the executives at Warner Brothers were the driving factor behind Punk. And like that's why they got collision that was to be Punk's show because they loved CM Punk and what he meant in viewership and rights to raw are still out there if somehow signing CM Punk gets them a deal with Warner Brothers Discovery and gets AEW's TV drop and they have to scramble for a deal that would if that happens then absolutely I agree it was fucking with AEW I really think it was just AEW created this ridiculous situation the wwe would have been stupid to not capitalize on the media buzz and what it's going to mean for them in revenue by bringing in funk once he was amenable to return it's a brilliant business move on their part and whatever they get out of it in ring is just a bonus for them really i think we're going to have him and rollins that's going to be the program whether it's rumble whether it's mania the fact that rollins has cut promos outside of the company talking shit about punk and then you've got him manufacturing fake outrage all the people that i've seen completely buying into this work by seth rollins and kudos to seth because they were not going to put the camera on anybody but cm punk or the crowd so seth having the antics that he had and flipping out and flipping punk off and everything else has only generated hits on youtube and increased the attention and desire to see what happens next that's old school wrestling right there that's fucking drawn house I mean how can you not respect that looking at it from the lens of old school wrestling that's what Rollins is doing he's not he's not the least bit worried about his spot if there's anybody on this roster that succeeds Triple H as the booker of this company it's Seth Rollins That guy is the son Triple H always wanted and has been treated as such for the last 10 years. Like, literally. I mean, he's Al Perez's kid, but he's the son that Triple H wanted. So his spot's not in jeopardy. He's not going to leave and go to AEW because Punk signed here. We're not going to (laughs) have Tyler Black is all elite or Colby Lopez is all elite or whatever. It's going to be Seth Rollins is still in the WWE. at the top of the fucking card because he's a made guy for life and will be there until he decides he doesn't want to do this anymore. And it's going to do great business will it probably end badly yeah that's that's what happens with punk it's what he does and yes mac he is a dickhead but there's dickheads in every walk of life and you're going to have him in wrestling and the fact that he's a dickhead that can make you millions and millions of dollars the juice is worth the squeeze here you're getting more out of this than what you're putting into it and if it ends badly he's not what's he is he going to go back to AEW do you know how wishy-washy and and how their fans would revolt i think i don't know maybe they would just flip-flop and be like oh it's great he said fuck WWE and he came back here to us he's really true to AEW he's true to a paycheck and he wants his ego stroked and good for him he deserves it the fact that he didn't wrestle for 7 years and drew a fucking house for AEW sold out A building for them on the rumor that he was going to show up. The fact that he's going to sell out shit for WWE and move tons of merch and bring more eyes to the product. This will probably be the most watched Raw in years. Years. Because people want to see what's going to happen with him. Brilliant move on their part they're in a position where even if it ends badly, it's not going to hurt them as a company. Like it made AEW look kind of silly and more like the inmates are running the asylum than it already appeared, but I'm going to enjoy the ride while it lasts. It's going to be fun while it lasts. I can't wait to see what they do with them. And I can't wait to watch raw when we're done
1: here. I think we all agree. It's going to be very curious to see where this goes and how they do things. And that Ryback back
0: goes as a retirement tour, starting April of 2024. <laughs> after all this i wanted to reiterate also like when i said that, like he wasn't really taking anybody's spot i meant like he's in one of those spots like brock or roman yeah. where he's yeah, just, yeah. they just yeah. levitate yeah. above he's you know, own. they ride in their own stratosphere baby
4: there's been a lot of concern about what if they do roman rock how is that going to go over in philly what's that going to do for the crowd whatever you can completely offset that by punk rollins opening night one you know I what i mean
0: you don't even need the rock now because
4: you don't necessarily but i don't know, know that he's
0: going to bring in the casual fan that you want him to anymore i mean unless he donates his paycheck to maui yeah if anything he's kind of been getting like the bud light treatment from some of the society
4: well i think that's why he's more apt to do it because his movies have not gone well and it's like i can go back there and the fans will still love me there and maybe that'll get him back you know what i mean not exactly a redemption tour but maybe an ego thing for him and if they're going roman to get past hogan that's like the last big hurdle and last big thing you can throw out there for him to accomplish before he passes that mark and drops the belt I, I don't guess, know. We'll you probably we'll want
0: to get we'll... it for is physical decline. Also,
4: right. it's probably your, this is probably your last chance.
1: I know how it's going to turn out, but I personally kind of wait the inevitable Roman Punk confrontation.
4: That adds kind of a new wrinkle. I don't know if we'll get that or not because, especially if they don't do Rock and it's Cody Roman to finish the story or whatever, and Cody <laughs> moves to SmackDown after winning the Rumble or something. I think Punk's there to be the face of Raw and help sell that media rights contract.
0: Like I mentioned earlier, how you could possibly have a story where Punk and Paul Levesque are pissed at each other and angling and starting this thing. And you catch Drew getting paid off by trips. So now he's running Drew at CM Punk. And then we find out that the dude who bankrolled CM Punk coming in was Dana White <laughs> from the other side of the company.
4: I mean, that'd be something. That'd be something. And you I mean, you could do it.
0: Possibilities are endless, and I love it. It's a volcano of money. They just have to find that one kid to throw a fucking rock in there to fucking set it off, dude. Boom, money everywhere. Well, I mean, we have another favorite guy in Illinois who
1: could definitely do it. Shout out to Chris Saha. So, I mean, that was quite the note to end. What was a spectacular show on, and I feel we got a lot of great conversation. And now the road to the Royal Rumble begins. I get to feel that's going to be a big deal too. January twenty seventh, we have
0: two months so there's not going to be a day one show this year i take it huh no i
4: guess that's just a one-off then huh yeah chris pointed out a while back that we only got that because january 1st fell on the weekend for two years in a row it's on like a monday or something this year i think yeah so you could have tried it i guess i don't know
1: yeah day three or day four doesn't quite sound as cool as day one but yeah i mean who knows but we got a lot of Good, good stuff going forward. I want to say thanks to my dad for staying up late and hanging out with us. Yes, thank you, Mac. Mac great. great having You're you. You're welcome.
2: On. It's good <laughs> being on with you guys, even though you all suck for liking CM Punk. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys anyway. I mean, the fact that you think that Shawn Michaels is better than Bret Hart doesn't make me not want to be your friend. This isn't going to make me not want to be your friends You know, it's all good. We're all brothers. For the record, I'm a Bret Hart guy too, Mac. Oh, there you go. Yay! You can sit in front of me anytime. Block my view anytime. Thanks, um, for water,
4: isn't
2: thanks for having me on. Thanks for inviting me, and you're right. I guess everybody will see where this goes, but well, it's going to play itself out the way it's going to play itself out. I think with punk, it's inevitable how things play out, but that's just me. But thanks for having me on, and you guys take care of yourselves, and I'm sure, well, I might not talk to you before the holidays, so have a great holidays. You too. Love buddy. Love you. See you guys. Take care.
1: All right. thanks to my dad, Max Biker, for joining us for a great Survivor Series recap of a very interesting show, and we're always happy to have him on, and we're going to tell you about a few of our friends
0: that help us out, and we like to help them out. Yeah, definitely want everybody to check out our friend Shoreline Gems on Facebook. Now is the perfect opportunity for everybody to check them out and support them as a small business in the holiday season. Check out their unique, one-of-a-kind handmade beach glass Jewelry pieces definitely want to support them, so go check them out at Shoreline Gems on Facebook. And we also would like you to check out our friends on the What's the Vibe podcast with Katie and Amy. We want you to check them out wherever you podcast and on YouTube especially. Their show is great, very funny, very engaging. They're awesome girls, and they have an amazing show. So definitely check them out wherever you podcast and on YouTube. And we also would like for you to check out our buddy Stephen Rafel's daughter Taylor and her band Luna Worldcast at LunarWorldcast.com, courtesy of Megafauna Records. Definitely check them out. Become a member of their Patreon and you can live stream all of their gigs and you also get 15 percent off of their merch when you're a patron so definitely support our friend taylor and her band lunar worldcast at lunarworldcast.com courtesy of megafauna records we'd also like you to check out our buddy jason d'agostino and his buddy dave at not another sports podcast wherever you podcast and on youtube support our buddy dags and dave and check out their merch too at the t public storefronts so get out there support our buddy dags want to give shout outs to our brothers and cause chaos Stephen Burho, everybody's big brother and our little brother down in florida florida man himself little brother to big brother i guess shard shard johnson keep getting better you guys we love you man get back on the road again and we love you guys love you guys we have a store It's an exciting store, T-Public. It has
3: all kinds of designs that are amazing, hilarious, and also very innovative. We have tote bags. We have stickers. We have hoodies. We have magnets. We have snow globes where you can put your loved one's face inside. All right, one of those things isn't true, but I wish we could someday when the store gets bigger. But the tea Public store is the other ship. All you have to do is put the other ship in and it'll pop up. Um, I might give you a little warning sign like, are you sure you want to look at these designs? They're disturbing. Not really. For the most part, we're rocking and rolling. A lot of cool stuff. My point being is it's a it's a good time and please if you guys want to support us you know maybe you don't have a lot of money for the store right now and that's okay but please anywhere you listen to us on any platform please like rate and especially subscribe because the more support we get the more we kind of get to pulling over on that old ry bizzzle brother because screw him and his guy just won't shut the hell up today because he's so jealous to see him punk it's weird and disturbing but i still watch it so i give that little that freaking jerking audience sometimes so let's get one over on him because we're always beating him in the podcast rating so
4: suck it right Bizzle all right to follow up on what Bill said you know rate subscribe all that stuff's awesome even if you don't listen to us on Spotify if you could go to Spotify and follow us on Spotify once we reach a certain level of followers there, then we can start generating some ad revenue through Spotify, but we have to hit a certain number of followers. So if you don't have money to buy anything from the store, and again, we make very little from Tee Public. They give us a, a fraction of a piece of the sales price. And since there's always a sale, our cuts always reduced because they only pay us a decent amount For regular priced items but the biggest thing you could do for us is go over to spotify and follow us there so that we can get to that benchmark number and start generating some ad revenue we want to sell out but we need your help (laughs) exactly the other thing you could do for us if you want to give us some kind of a gift in the holiday season recommend a friend or two to check out the show pick one of your favorite episodes recommend to them have them check it out see if they like it Maybe we gain some more listeners. But we also want to remind you to check out our great friends, the Josephines of thejosephines.net. Get all your tour information, buy an album, buy a CD, buy some merch. It's cold out there, buy you a Josephine's hoodie. What could be better than that? We also want to remind you to check out our good friend, Hot Rod Rodney Swift and his wife over on YouTube at It's Mr. and Mrs. Swift 2017. They're doing a music Re reaction series right now, sharing some songs that have meaning to them, why they have that meaning. So, check that out. I want to remind you to check out the Wrestlecopia family of podcasts, the Memory Grenade, the Monday Warfare podcast, the newly added Memphis cast done by a guy out of England, I believe, the new Wrestling Stoop with Bob Roop show that's doing good numbers for them, and then the two regional wrestling podcasts with everybody's favorite favorite Uncle Jamie doing the 81 Georgia championship show with Ray Russell and the 1986 Mid-South show that Roman Gomez does with Ray Russell. So check all of those out. We also want you to look into buying tickets to Glory Days Grapple Con, taking place April 20th, 2024 at the Rosen Center in Orlando, Florida. Barry Rose and the Captain Nick Massey of Captain's Corner, check him out on Facebook, are putting on an amazing event. They have a world-class championship wrestling panel discussion taking place, moderated by the great Mark Lawrence, ring announcer from world-class, involving Missy Hyatt, the one-man gang, Brian Adias, Jack Victory, Al Perez, and possibly more names to come. This is going to be an amazing event. You don't want to miss out. You can go to eventbrite.com. Look for Glory Days GrappleCon. Buy your tickets. They have three or four levels of tickets, depending on if you just want to show up and check things out. If you want the full package where you can get all the autographs, all the pictures, hear the panel discussion, anything that's going on. So check those tickets out, and we hope to see you there, because I think we will all be there in April. So come and see us. MC Uncle Jamie. MC Benji and Diggy. MC a whole host of Tim Graff that was just on our great Thanksgiving episode. A whole Dr. bunch of people. Um, to to, yeah, Doctor do, the Doctor of Style, Philip Khan will be there styling and profiling like no other. Frankie and Jana. Frankie and Jana. Maybe Mama Khan will make the trip this time. Just a whole host of great people that if you haven't met them before, you'll want to get a chance to meet these folks and <laughs> hang out with them for a couple of days. So check out Glory Day's GrappleCon on Facebook. You can Check there, the actual Glory Days GrappleCon group. You can check our group for information. Follow the Captain Nick Massey because he does all kinds of virtual signings with wrestling talent. Check out the tickets on eventbrite.com and check the Rosen Center for hotel reservations. That's April 20th, 2024. I want to give a shout out to my good friend Frankie Seacrest. Keep getting better, buddy can't wait to see you in april gonna be a good time you just keep healing up and getting better same thing for our good friends bruce and cindy cohen i know they're gonna be there bruce you just keep chugging along on the road to recovery you're doing an amazing job and we can't wait to see you guys all right and where does all the fun happen besides the show
1: and our facebook group 284 members strong as of this recording and we're fans of everybody we enjoy everybody being there it doesn't matter, you know, what your wrestling beliefs are, what your as long as you're not an asshole, we like you. We don't mind if you can't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. We're cool like that. You know, I mean enjoy. we're just
4: we're a funny squeaky noise. <laughs> Stop blessing.
1: <laughs> just come join us you know just be part of the fun you know the extension of fun that is the show and if you like the show come join us in there and be cool and hang out recommend us to your friends you know we'd love to see 300 before the end of 2023 so let's make that happen as we always say thank you for listening happy holidays to you and we will see you next time yeah i'll be good now you hear
3: yeah
1: motherfuckers Okay, that is the new show out there every week.
4: (laughs) If you would have dropped an extra onions, extra mayo, extra cheese in the middle of that, I may have passed out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do something more for my
4: culture. For the culture, (laughs) for the brand. Holy shit, that was amazing!